I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Friday, October 27th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Okay, so Jay, a deep dive into recent trademark application hints at six possible team names for the new professional women's hockey league. These names include the Toronto Torch, Montreal Echo, Ottawa Alert, Minnesota Superior, Boston Wicked, and New York Sound. Now, this doesn't mean that these names will ultimately be the ones that are chosen, but it's very fun to speculate. Do you like these names, Jay? Do you have any suggestions? I have one suggestion. I like them all. I think because I'm from Boston, it would be better if it was Wicked Boston. That I think would be a better name to like mix it up because that is something people say like, oh, you are Wicked Boston. So that's my one update to these names, but otherwise I kind of like them. What about you? I think they're okay. I think the Canadian ones are problematic. Not like they're going to get canceled, but problematic in that I just don't like them. The Toronto Torch, you can do better. The Montreal Echo, I don't get it. The Ottawa Alert, I don't get it. The Minnesota Superior, I really like. Boston Wicked, I think is fine. I, I agree with you, but whatever, I think it's pretty good. And the New York Sound, again, I think they could do better. But hey, that's just one man's opinion. It's a women's hockey league, so I probably don't have much say in this whole thing. And so I'm sure they'll come up with great names and everything will be okay in the end. Since well, from your mouth to the commissioner's ears, Brett, aside from the names, or maybe names, the women's hockey teams, what do we have for Peak Dolls today? For our first story, SBF pleads his case. For our second story, Israel-Hamas war puts crypto back in the hot seat. And for our third story, stores seek help to curb shoplifting. For our first story, after getting its Adderall, ex-FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried, SBF, was ready to sit before the judge and save his skin. Brett, how'd it go? I just read the Michael Lewis book on SBF, and so I've been following this quite closely. And so SBF took the stand yesterday to testify in his own defense after the prosecution rested its case. Now, in a surprise twist, the jury was not actually present for it. The judge dismissed them so that he could determine for himself if SBF's testimony was permissible. And in case you forgot, SBF faces seven fraud and conspiracy charges relating to last year's collapse of crypto exchange FTX and its sister trading firm, Alameda Research. SBF is alleged to have, among other things, illegally misappropriated customer funds from FTX and siphoned them into Alameda. He faces a sentence of over 100 years. That's a long time. It's a lot of time and not a typo. So what did he say? When questioned by his defense, SBF made the crucial claim that he ran FTX in accordance with its terms of service and that Alameda was permitted to borrow funds from FTX under many circumstances. Since pretty broad, SBF also defended the use of an omnibus wallet, which put all customers' assets in one place and said that there was no purposeful deletion of Slack or signal chats. The prosecution then grilled him about his knowledge of Alameda having direct access to FTX consumer funds. He claimed to not know anything about it while head of FTX, a claim that directly clashes with previous witness testimonies. And it matters because SBF's odds of beating the case weren't looking good after powerful testimony from his former colleague. If the judge allows the jury to hear SBF's testimonies and they find his mea culpa convincing, the whole direction of the trial could turn on to taxes. Which brings me to the bottom line. After an extended rough patch, crypto is back. Bitcoin is up over 100% on the year end. Earlier this week, reached highs that had not been seen in well over a year. The verdict of the trial could have a knock-on effect on an industry looking to just move forward. For our second story, lawmakers in the U.S. are cracking down on cryptocurrency to disrupt funding to Hamas bringing attention once again to digital currency's darker uses. Here's what's driving the news. The U.S. Treasury Department has proposed rules 
that would classify cryptocurrency mixers, which take funds, mix them with those from other users, and return them to make tracing difficult, as money laundering tools that threaten national security. The U.S. also issued sanctions on nine people in one exchange it said were linked to Hamas following a letter from 105 lawmakers urging it to look into the matter. And it matters because the Hamas attack on Israel has fueled those eager to curb crypto's use in illicit activities. A lobbyist told the Financial Times this will make it harder to pass laws legitimizing crypto, while Coinbase claimed the events are being used to further an anti-crypto agenda. Now to zoom out. Decentralized currencies have a documented history in dark web transactions and online scams. They also give a fundraising avenue to terrorist groups without access to traditional banking, though analysis shows crypto makes up a small part of Hamas's funding. Crypto has been used to skirt sanctions against Russia, but its ability to reach conflict zones has streamlined millions of dollars into Ukraine's war efforts against Russia. Mixers were already on authorities' radar. Last year, the U.S. sanctioned mixers Tornado Cash and Blender.io for allegedly supporting a North Korean hacker group. Yes, but lawmaker scrutiny isn't dampening renewed crypto optimism. This week, as we mentioned, Bitcoin prices topped $41,000 U.S. for the first time since the 2022 crypto winter began, while shares of Coinbase and Grayscale Bitcoin Trust were up 7% and 5% respectively on Tuesday. For our third and final story this week, shoplifting has risen steadily alongside the cost of living in Canada, but police departments and industry groups have said that incidents are also becoming increasingly violent. Brett, that's a pretty concerning development. What's going on? So that's concerning indeed, Jay. The CEO of London Drugs, a BC-based pharmacy, is calling on policymakers to act as shoplifting increasingly puts staff in harm's way. Incidents have ranged from threats with needles to stabbings to assaults with hatchets. Yikes. The Retail Council of Canada claims some of its members have seen a 300% increase in shoplifting, with costs totaling more than $5 billion annually, industry-wide. And it matters because an increase in violence adds a new dimension to the unpopular steps retailers have taken to curb shoplifting, as they have to think about protecting staff alongside their bottom lines, with some customers not pleased about being treated like criminals. Over the summer, Lavoie brought receipt checks and security gates to its grocery stores, as well as locked cabinets to the most stolen items at Shoppers Drug Mart. Self-checkouts are also a focus for theft prevention. In addition to checking receipts, retailers are experimenting with closed lanes when it's busy or ditching them entirely. Target is closing nine stores in the U.S. due to the impacts of shoplifting, while London Drugs refuted earlier reports that it was considering closing some stores. The big picture is Canadians are largely in favor of more security cameras, anti-theft alarms, security guards, and locked display cases, but oppose limiting store traffic, stowing bags before shopping, or scanning IDs to make purchases. They are relatively split on receipt checks and eliminating self-checkouts. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second one, follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Peak Pals, have a great and safe weekend. When you give me shock, when-